Welcome to Fantasy Island. This is going to be our trade deadline fantasy impact players. Guys, there was a lot of activity going on. There was craziness this year at the trade deadline. So let's get at it. Let's start talking about the relevancy of a lot of these guys moving and what type of impact it's going to mean to all of our listeners' rosters and how that's going to positively or negatively affect these guys. So let's go ahead and let's get at it. Bombo, King, let's jump into it. So let's lead in with the biggest elephant in the room, and that's going to be Christian McCaffrey getting traded to the Niners. What does that mean to all these fantasy owners? I think that's the biggest impact trade there was i mean this guy was he's a top-notch guy going to a top flight team you know and that's really where you get the, the fantasy impact there are going to be other guys who go to other teams and they're not doing so good and they may have some relevancy but this guy's going to get some run and you know what i'm going to be one of the guys to say it i'm eating a little bit of crow and i got some egg on my face whatever you want to say i shit the bed whatever you want to say because i was off of christian mccaffrey and I thought I was right again just because of how he was looking in Carolina. But you know what? You put that motherfucker on San Francisco. He just did something that hadn't been done in, what, what, 30 years, 40 years. He threw for a touchdown in his first game, really. The first game, he was there for a couple days, and he only played a, a couple plays. But this last weekend, they just passed. He threw for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, and ran for a touchdown. And that's all I got to say. I mean, fuck, who else does that shit? Yeah, this guy man. blew up. Yeah, the I mean, Niners jump on it, Bombo. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what do you see? Got to say, the Niners, that organization, pretty much are in the same boat as anybody that's ever been a Christian McCaffrey, you know, fantasy owner. When you think about what can he do for you, well, if he gets hurt, he's gonna ruin my number one pick. Oh, what if he doesn't get hurt? He'll probably lead the league in all scoring and all touchdowns and all receptions. So it's like, Oh, all right. Well then I guess that's, that's why we play. Right. So the Niners are all in Niners are saying, I'll take, I'll take that risk. You know, I'll take that whatever bum leg he's got, whatever bum ankle he's got, because what he can do if he's available is three touchdowns in a game versus a division rival on the road. He came in against Kansas city, you know, two days off the bus. I guarantee Kansas city started scrambling overnight to figure out what they were going to do against him. And he still almost put up 10 fantasy points, sharing, sharing the rock with Jeff Wilson. Christian McCaffrey's a game changer. San Francisco knows that. Apparently the Rams knew that they were trying to go all in for McCaffrey as well. But they have to. Any anybody who knows, you know, if you know football, you know he's a great football player. He just has a nose for positive yards. He has a nose for the end zone. He can catch. He can run. Pretty sure if he gained ten pounds, take a start him at middle linebacker, and he'd lead the league in tackles. He's pretty good. But what it tells me is everybody on that Niners offense can eat now. If Jimmy G, it's a, the pressure's on Jimmy G, right? The pressure has to be on Jimmy G because he's got weapons. He has. A guy, a running back right now that can take a five-yard screen pass 90 yards to the house. He's got Debo. He's got a Ute coming on. He's got Kittles, the top five tight end. I mean, I know that this offense was built around Trey Lance and what he could do. But right now, there's enough around Jimmy G that the question is, what can Jimmy G do? Because they, this is a window that's closing really fast because we don't even know if Trey Lance is going to come back like that. But Christian McCaffrey makes a lot of things easier for everybody in that offense. But can Jimmy G take advantage of that, though? I don't know. 
you know, good point, Bombo. But I gotta say, instead of putting the pressure on Jimmy G, I think I think the fact that McCaffrey is there, it takes a lot of that pressure off. Right. Because now he doesn't have to, you know, he's not gripping the ball so tight. He's not, you know, trying to do too much. He can just kind of feel the flow of the game and do what he does. That little dink and dunk, but he'll he'll slice you apart with that dink and dunk type of shit that he does. So I really think that having McCaffrey there just kind of changes the whole dynamic of that offense. It really kind of reinvigorates that offense and makes it into something different. It brings it to a different level. And yeah, like what King was saying, you know, we were all kind of down on McCaffrey because we were saying, look, this guy's always hurt. Can he get even make it through the season? Well, you know what? So far he has. And now whoever's that fantasy owner that picked him up, when he was with the Panthers, all of a sudden they just seem smarter than ever because now they're in an offense that moves and you have a guy like that, that was in a horrible offense that was getting you big points in a horrible offense. We just saw this past weekend, what he can do in a good offense, in a good scheme. I mean, this is just, to me, this is just kind of like, it's crazy. It's like playing Madden, right? This is, this is a video game type of shit. I mean, it's nuts. So, yeah, I love this move by the Niners. And I think for those fantasy owners that went ahead and traded for him or was able to to draft this guy. Oh, man, they, they got to be loving it right now. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. I wish I could say I was. But, yeah, this guy is going to be huge for fantasy. I think the other thing we we need to really, really mention is what this is going to do for Debo Samuel. This is now, this is just ridiculous because before really all the other teams had to worry about was Debo and he still got his. What's going to happen now, guys? Holy shit. You know what I mean? I saw the general manager on the sideline talking to Debo in the last game because he didn't even play against the Rams. And imagine if he would have played against the Rams, he would have killed him. But they were sort of, you could see his mouth and the general manager was just like, I can't wait for you guys to play together. That's all they kept saying to him. And fucking Debo was sitting there, thank you. Thank you. When they were watching this guy play on the sidelines. Well, yeah, not only it's that, because he doesn't have to run. Yeah, Debo doesn't have to act like a running back. He's going to run still. Yeah, and that's you can put them both now. in the back. You can put them both yes. in the backfield. And you can Imagine only dedicate that. one spy. Yeah, you can only dedicate one spy, and that one spy is not going to be able to keep up with them. You'd have to bring That's a safety the down. point, right? You put yeah. them the opposition in conflict. They don't know mm-hmm. what to do. Now you got two of those fucking guys? That's tough. All right, guys. All right, so let's let's kind of go into the next one that we have right now. I'm going to go ahead and throw out there another big name that got traded away. The Steelers trade away receiver Chase Claypool to the bears for a second round draft pick. What do you guys think of that one? Tells me that they believe in Justin Fields. They're starting to surround him with weapons, not in a really win now type move, but in a let's get some wins and get this kid some confidence type move. I see Hey, we've seen it happen with Jalen Hurts, you know, started getting them weapons. And if he can just do a a little bit more, I mean, a lot more with a little bit less, it's going to get this front office to probably speed up this rebuild and just start surrounding him now with 
some big guys up front to protect him. Claypool's a big body. Just didn't seem like he, you know, outside of Ben targeting him a lot with some really bad balls and 50-50 balls, he really wasn't finding his footing in Pittsburgh. Didn't seem like Tomlin was really going to bat for the guy. He gave up on a few plays, had some bonehead plays last year. And his name was, you know, all year was was floating around with he could be moved. Plus Pickens coming up in that offense. Claypool was the odd man out. But he's, the I think, for what Chicago needs right now, he's perfect for what Chicago needs. Somebody on the opposite side of Mooney that's a big body that can catch 50-50 balls. Because Justin Fields has a gun. You know, he can he can get it down. He can throw balls that you need to high point to get to. And Chase Claypool's a matchup nightmare. In the division, he's a matchup nightmare, I think. Some of these smaller corners. So, yeah. Give me Chase Claypool on the Bears as 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 a big come up for the Bears. Second second round picks kind of pricey, but you know right now they're they're trying to do what they can to get the kids some weapons. Yeah, no, I, I think the last statement you made was the biggest statement I'll make. Something was going on with this trade, and I know me and you talked earlier, TB and Bear fans. You know that hey, you know something's going on with this that he gave up a second round pick for them. You know, because you were like, fuck it, we just got one the other day for Roquan because in, you know, what we got for for Robert Quinn, too, we're good. I get it. But that my point was is that's too much for him because he is a second-round pick and he's used. It's like a used car. You just don't give up a second-round pick for a guy who was taken in the second round when they're trading him. And that's just the way it is. I mean, the reality is they're saying Kareem Hunt would have went for a fourth-round pick. And why the Rams didn't want that, I don't know. Because they were all in on the McCaffrey thing, too, and they offered a couple first-rounders to Carolina's defensive end for Carolina's defensive end today. For Brian but I'm Burns. Just saying, I don't get two firsts for uh, Brian Burns. They were trying to get Brian uh-huh. Burns for two firsts. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's expensive. When you look at a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, who doesn't have a lot of big years, big games, big things like that, and he, you're right, he's a good receiver. To me, there's a little, there was some bidding war there, and they wanted that guy for a reason. And I don't think it was for the future, guys. And just hear me out. I think they want to evaluate Justin Fields the rest of the year. I think he's made some progress the first half of the year, but remember, this coach didn't draft him, and this GM didn't draft him. Next year, right, especially after they fire-sailed their fucking defense and got rid of the two best guys they had on their fucking defense, now their defense is young. So they're going to even give a bigger place. Just the way it is, guys. They got to learn. And knowing that and knowing that they're probably going to sink more games and be in more shootouts, I think they want to evaluate what they got with Justin Fields and make a decision next year. Because next year is a very heavy quarterback draft class. And they have plenty of draft picks to make a package now. They also have going to have probably the most salary cap room in the league. They're going to have over $100 million in salary cap. So they're going to be able to do a lot of stuff next year on the roster. And I, I think they got Chase Claypool to evaluate him and Justin Fields to see if these fuckers are going to be long-term. I don't think it's like, hey, we're going to set him up for next year and just get pile some weapons and go in the draft and get him a number one now to go with these two number twos we got. And that's and you're right, Bombo, 100%. This is a huge come up for them because they have nothing. And Darnell Mooney's too small to win at the line. These guys just jam him. He loses his step, and he just can't get separation at that point. 
They move him around. They have to do things. Now you got a guy, the guy goes to push him. He's going to push him back and knock him off his step. And now Claypool's going to have a step on that dude. Claypool's big. 6'4". How much, T? How much does that fucker weigh? 240. Yeah, 6'4", 240, running like a deer down the sidelines. I like the acquisition. I think he'll do well. I think Justin Fields will appreciate it. But I'm just going to throw something out. I would, would have rather have had Denzel Mims. All right. I'm done. Hear, hear me out, guys. I know you guys are bare guys. Hear me out. There's a, here's a glimmer of hope. This is what I see this situation looking like. I envision a Cam Newton, Kelvin Benjamin scenario where this guy's the only guy that's going to make this guy look good. I think if, if Claypool is not your typical wide receiver one, he's just really big. And if you give him enough, if the quarterback gives enough time, he can get open on any route. It's going to be like Cam Newton and Kelvin Benjamin. Like, he's going to be able to, they're going to feed off each other and there's going to be success there. Only because I'm old enough to know when I drafted Kelvin Benjamin a couple times, he was almost like Chase Claypool. I think a little bit of a disappointment. He had a couple big games, but consistently, and in some leagues, you know, it's just hard for him to score. You know, I think Steve Smith was on the other side, right? <laughs> so, All right, I'm going to uh, say this, guys. I'm going to say this. So, to me, the whole Claypool situation from a fantasy perspective, he had fucking noodle arm. His two biggest years, his rookie year and his second year, he had noodle arm throwing to him, right? So so think about that. He almost hit 1,000 yards each year, and that was with freaking old man Ben, who couldn't even throw it past five yards. Fast forward to this year, he's got two guys who are not deep ball throwers, who can't throw the ball for shit. You got a rookie in there and and then you got freaking Trubisky. So he doesn't have a very good quarterback situation. He hasn't had one at all since he's been in the league. Now you go to a team like Chicago. They're doing some really good things on the offensive side of the ball. All of a sudden, now you're opening up the playbook. You're designing plays. You're getting your quarterback more engaged and more involved. And Bombo, kind of to what you were saying earlier, Fields can throw the ball, not just accurate, but deep down the field. He is a deep ball thrower. He's one of the few in the league that are that good and that accurate as a deep ball thrower. So I think this whole thing with Claypool, he is going to be able to kind of feast on that that secondary on those deep balls because that's what he does best. But he just didn't have that guy to throw it to him. And when he got it, he made the most out of it. He made big plays. So I'm really looking forward. If you're a fantasy owner of Claypool right now, you got to be liking this situation because at least you're going to have more opportunities. Your guy is now in a better offense and you're going to have more opportunities to be able to score some fantasy points. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, he may be your flex. He may be a deep flex if you guys are into certain types of leagues. But I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to start getting more points with Fields throwing him that ball. So, yeah, he's way more relevant. Way more relevant yeah. now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's all I got to say. I mean, seriously, I, th- I think it's in a much better situation for that. All right, guys. I'm going to throw out another one for, for you. Another wide receiver situation. This one's kind of different than most we've been talking about, but it's very fantasy relevant for next year. And that's the Jags 
getting Calvin Ridley, who was suspended for this year for some draft picks. What do you guys think? How do you guys think that impacts the fantasy drafts next year? How do you guys think that that plays out for the Jaguars next year? We, we were talking about this earlier. This is a great move for the Jags. And this is how you apply this to fantasy, right? So if you remember, there's been a lot of football between the last time Calvin Ridley balled out and and and, and next year. And it's not like a Josh Gordon thing where he balled out so much that you, all you do is remember those highlight plays. Like, But Calvin Ridley's a wide receiver one. You let... Some bigger stories, you know, getting you know, get in front of this one and and let a lot of time go by and you be the one in your league next year that remembers a hey, Calvin Ridley is, you know, a, a talent you should take in the first five rounds. And he's got Trevor Lawrence throwing to him, and he's got Christian Kirk on the other side, and he's looking for a fresh start. I think Calvin Ridley's got his head into it, you know, fresh start. He's already posted on Instagram. You know, he's he's happy to be, he's gonna be happy for the move. Be the one in your league that that jumps on it and hopefully everybody else forgot about Calvin. Ridley because they're going to make some noise. Jags might. I'm not saying Jags are winning the Super Bowl, but Jags offense is is looking real scary. No, I Let agree, just- and I think they're taking steps. You know, but I think the biggest thing is what you said right there, Bombo. It's going to be as if his head is into it. We don't know if he's happy to go to the Jags. We don't know if he was mad at Atlanta for not having his back. We don't know if he's even into football because remember the year before last, he took off for personal reasons, and basically what it came down to he said he wasn't into football. So I hope this guy gets into football because you're right. This guy's a stud. He's one of the best route runners. He's one of those guys he doesn't really, his, his hips just shift so well that he doesn't really lose a lot of speed when he makes his cuts. So it's like, I don't know. I just hope that they do better integrating him into that offense because they need him. And I hope they really made, they reached out to him and talked to him before they made the trade to make sure where his head was at because I think that's the biggest point you made. And I agree with everything you said, Bombo. So, okay, I'm going to throw a little curveball out there to you guys. When this guy was healthy, when he was playing, he was easily a top five wide receiver in the league. With that said, in some of those fantasy draft situations and leagues that you guys are in and, and some of our listeners are in, would it make sense to maybe pick him up off of waiver wires this year for a keeper league and just dash him and kind of have that situation where, hey, you know, I can I can potentially use him as a keeper for next year instead of just trying to to hopefully get him in a draft? I mean, is is he worth that type of keep or that type of reach? My opinion is no. I, I don't think so, because I think if you plan it out good enough next year and you really want him, you, it's. I think the biggest takeaway are the things that Bombo was talking about. The guy hasn't played in two years. You know, we really got to see where he's at and what he wants to do. You know, so to put him as a keeper, that I would say this. If you got a shit roster and all your guys went down and you got no keepers and it's a mandatory keeper league, maybe. Maybe, you know, where you're forced to keep two guys on your team no matter what and your two keepers blew themselves out or I don't know, you know, but yeah, I, I think it's to me, I think you're probably he's probably looking at third or fourth round next year, maybe even a little bit after that, because there's a lot of good receivers, guys. And somebody who hasn't played in two years, I don't know if they'll get that much pub or hype. You know, I'm just saying that's my opinion. Keep 
pick him up and keep him if you got the nuts. If you got the coconuts, throw them out there. If you believe in, if you're, hey, there's somebody out there that's a Calvin Ridley truther that Calvin Ridley won them a championship. He he drafted Calvin Ridley in the first round that year. Calvin Ridley got suspended. Like he's all in, and this is the best news for him. That guy, I'm talking to you. That guy, pick up Calvin Ridley off the waiver wire this year and stash him. Use them as a, on your dynasty team next year, but for the rest of us, yeah, let just do what King said. Let you know, let him fall in your lap. Let everybody forget the fact that he's two years removed. Talk him down when you guys are sitting around drinking, talking fantasy. Like, hey, he never even caught a pass from Trevor Lawrence, man. I'm not taking that guy in the fourth. I'm taking him in the third. Do something like that. But you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for what the Jags are doing, and they're taking advantage of that Trevor Lawrence on a rookie deal. It's a great point, Bumble. Great, great point. All right, guys, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to go into some of the running backs. I'm just going to rattle off some names and the movements that they did. And you guys talk about who you guys feel is most important to talk about. But we got the Bills getting Naheem Himes from the Colts. We got the Dolphins getting Jeff Wilson from the 49ers. We got the Jags getting James Robinson from the Jets because Brees Hall tore his ACL. And then we have Chase Edmonds going to Denver. All right, guys, what do you guys think is the ones that you want to talk about? I mean, it, to me, I think a lot of these things just complicate fantasy in a lot of these situations. You know, I think Naeem Hines going to Buffalo. I get Zach Moss is gone, but Zach Moss hasn't done shit fantasy-wise. Devin Singletary is the guy and the best running back they got in the backfield, Josh Allen. They don't run the ball, and they got a rookie who's really good who should be getting more run. But I, I got no idea what they're doing. And, I mean, if I had Naeem Hines, which I think I got him on a couple teams. I got 10 teams, but I got to check it out. He's probably somewhere on my bench. But I don't know if I will play him. I don't know if he's going to get more looks. I probably would feel more comfortable playing him in Indy just because I know he's going to be the third down back every every third down. So that complicates that. And, you know, the Jeff Wilson thing, I get it. They, you know, Chase Edmonds, get out of here. Go to Denver, complicate their backfield because they're hurt. They don't know what they're doing. You know, they just got two Mike Boons, basically. But I don't know. It just seemed like, the, you know, those second-tier guys, the movements really, to me, weren't substantial impacts. You know, I really don't. Unless, uh, obviously, somebody goes down like Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson could fill in because he's the same guy. One cut and go. One cut and go. That's the San Francisco offense. It's that zone blocking scheme. One cut and go. So I, I get it, but I think to me, when I saw the running backs other than McCaffrey really move, there really wasn't nobody and they really shook me. Yeah. I want to say the James Robinson move, probably fantasy wise, more relevant just because I, I think he's more talented than Michael Carter on and they're on the same team. Sucks that he got traded and then has to learn the playbook, go through a buy, you know, for you know, those people that have stock in James Robinson. You were feasting off of that first three weeks, and then you could see he was getting transitioned out of Jacksonville for Etienne because he didn't really he wasn't in the doghouse. He wasn't messing up. Now that we look at it, he was getting saved for a potential deal. And you know, Denver didn't jump on it. The Jets jumped on it because all of a sudden, you know, the Jets are in a position where they're winning games. They don't want to fall off. He's no Brees Hall. 
But I mean, for what they want to do and, and killing the clock and, and easing the load off of Zach Wilson and a goal line guy, uh, the more that, that he gets familiar with that offense, I think he's going to take over as a starter and be fantasy rele- relevant rather quick. Everybody else, just like King said, I mean, Naheem Hines going to the Buffalo Bills. They basically have three running backs that all do the same thing. Only one of them plays more. Zach Moss is Zach Moss. San Francisco Jr. down in Miami. So, yeah, I, I would say James Robinson is probably the most fantasy relevant out of the moves that went pre-trade deadline. I know I own him in a couple of leagues. I just want to see what he looks like in, in that offense because he might just become the offense if he gets hot, that he has the potential to become that offense if he gets hot for sure. No, all good takes, guys. I personally like what the Dolphins did by getting Jeff Wilson. You know, they got Mostert over there. They they the whole Chase Edmonds thing didn't work out. They ship him off to Denver. And now you got a backfield, which we already know is a proven backfield because we saw what they did over there in San Francisco together. And, you know, I, I just love the way that those two backs complement each other. So to me, outside of McCaffrey going as the number one running back. You know, I really like what the Dolphins did. And from a fantasy standpoint, those owners that had Jeff Wilson and as soon as McCaffrey came in, you know, they they started seeing the, the production go down and they were like, oh, my God, forget it. Now I got to drop the guy, you know, and everything like that. I really think that now is an opportunity for him to stay fantasy relevant because they're going to be playing both of these backs. And I think from a point perspective, it's not going to be too bad. I think, you know, you're you're going to actually get points. And especially if a guy goes down and you plug him into the lineup, at least you're going to get some type of points out of Jeff Wilson. So I think out of those, I really like him going over there to the Dolphins because I think he'll get more playing time and he's a good back. So, you know, that's just how I feel. I really think that that's probably going to be for the running backs out, outside of McCaffrey. For me, I think that's going to be your best bet. Hear me out, guys. Jeff Wilson or Chase Edmonds rest of the year? Wilson. Jeff Wilson or any other running backs in Denver rest of the year? Wilson. I'm still thinking about mm-hmm. Chase Edmonds, dude. Only because I, oh, right, most of the leagues are PPR leagues. Yeah. Jeff Wilson's only going to get run if Mostert gets hurt. Mostert hasn't scored shit the last three weeks. He had seven points against Detroit. He's given up a ton of yards to everybody. It's just sometimes in the scheme, they don't run them enough. You know, that's so what, I, that's what I've been guys. seeing. That's what I've been seeing. With you the know Dolphins. what I mean? That, that's the enough. issue. It's not that these guys can't do it. It's how many opportunities is the team giving them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you're only I'm, getting eight carries or something, Doug, you know what I mean? Because, right, I mean, running backs need, especially running backs, they got to get in a flow. And, you know, their thing is it's three yards, five yards, four yards, minus one yards, 30 yards. 20 yards, then two yards again, one yard again, 10 yards. You know, they got to get into chunks. And when you only get seven or eight carries, it's hard, man. So I don't know. That's a tough one. I, I think that the only way Jeff Wilson really gets good run is if Moster gets hurt. I just don't think they run the ball enough. You know, I, I don't remember know. I really they think still, they want they to. Still got they still got Gaskin and Ahmed. So I'm wondering, I'm thinking in my head, guys, Mostert and Jeff Wilson really aren't third down backs. So I don't know how much third down option or passing option they're going to get or if they're going to include the other guys. I got no idea what they're going to do. I don't know. Not sure. But hey, you know what, Bombo? I'm going to throw a little bit of a right hook at you, motherfucker. 
I'm going to throw on my boy. Uh, Michael Carter's pretty good, dude. I like Michael Carter, and I'm going to stand up for him right now. I still think Michael Carter's got more than James Robinson because James Robinson's got frying pans for hands. You oh, don't I, need to I read hear the you. fucking playbook because he just has to go run left or right. That's all he knows. Left, right, run, run, right, left. Michael Carter's good, man. You're dogging my boy, Michael Carter, man. We have some beef. <laughs> hey, 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 that was a different episode where we did the hell mm. in the cell. You had your chance mm. then. Yeah, but I'm still fired up, dude. I'm just saying, man. I liked him. I and you know what? He and Bombo's right. And you know, you know, we're just fucking around. But I'm just saying, like, that's probably the biggest. You know, he probably nailed it because he said that first that James Robinson probably could be the biggest impact out of that group of shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He has the potential to be because they want Michael Carter to be the compliment. Yeah, they realized last year when he was the only guy that. He can't tote the ball 20 times. He's just not built like that. They didn't let a week you know go I mean? by from Brees Hall going down to making a move. So at no point did the Jets no, be like, we're about to yeah. give Michael Carter three three downs every game. Like, I mean, no, I, no, I don't, they won't he's, do that. He's definitely capable of. He did it last year for him real quick. But then they started bringing in everybody. Like he started becoming a part of a committee after balling out a couple of times last year. That's what made me think. I, oh, I think it's like what we just on touched him. on. It's, it's going to be the game plan. And now they got that game plan working for him again. The bad thing was Brees Hall could do it all. He could pound it inside. He could run the ball. He could catch the ball. He could do whatever they wanted. So, yeah. All right, guys. Last guy that we're going to touch on for fantasy relevance for the trades is going to be a tight end situation. TJ Hawkinson. I got to say, before we get into this, I just wanted to throw this out there. I don't know what the hell Detroit is thinking about trading a guy within the same division and giving him an opportunity to potentially be that guy that beats him and knocks them out of any kind of race. I mean, yeah, it's Detroit. We know that they're not in anything, but still, you don't ever trade within the division. That's just stupid. Why would you do that? All right, guys, go at it. I think this is a big move. I think Minnesota needed to get a tight end. They just put Herb Smith Jr. on the IR. He's got a high ankle. He's pretty bad. You know, there was no structural damage, but he'll be out for a while. And he really, I mean, he hasn't been doing that much. And I think that they were a little bit enamored a couple weeks ago. TJ had a really big game, 180 yards or something. Best game he's had as a Detroit Lion. But let's look at his total resume, guys. And this guy's disappointed fantasy owners every fucking year. So maybe Detroit's the one that got over on him and said, you know what? We want to play him every fucking year twice because we know what this guy can do and what he can't do and what fucks him up. Because there are games where he just disappears, bro. He doesn't even show up. So I don't know. I mean, it's yet to be seen, and I get your point, T. But the other part was if anybody knows this player better than anyone else, it's the Detroit Lions. So I sort of like their coach, and I sort of think he knows a little bit what he's doing. So I don't think he was afraid of that interdivisional thing, you know, but – TJ Hawkinson needs to step up. Maybe this offense is going to be predicated to help him. You know, this is a different kind of offense for him. So maybe it's better suited for him and maybe he will flourish because he's got talent, guys. I mean, all these guys do. Just a matter of opportunities. So on on paper, I think that TJ Hawkinson going to the Vikings is like, whoa, you know, make another weapon. The only thing I feel like is holding the Vikings back is Kirk Cousins. If, if, 
there was just somebody out there that, I mean, can, can he support another mouth to feed? Because in, in a dream scenario, you know, if you had like a Mahomes or something back there, you all these guys, you know, even Tua, like these guys would just be, these are gunslingers that would just be getting all these guys the ball where you would have Hawkinson going off for two touchdowns. You'd have Jefferson going off for a hundred yards a touchdown. Thielen play bat and clean up on some things. But right now it's just like, like, it's still the Justin Jefferson show with some Dalvin Cook sprinkled in. Adam Thielen, when he's when he's fully healthy, can can bail him out a little bit. But I mean, they weren't even really targeting Irv Smith when he was healthy. So it's still yet to be seen. I like Hawkinson's upside. I like his talent. He does have big game ability, but he has big game ability on a Detroit team where he was the only thing going. So maybe now he can expose some matchups. But T, I agree. You just you don't want to you don't want what's going on in your locker room to go to one of your division rivals. And you know, TJ Hawkinson's going to be talking about the Detroit Lions as much as Detroit Lions are going to be focusing on in on TJ Hawkinson when they play each other. So King said it went, you know, they, if anybody knows what they had, it was Detroit. We touched on it when we spoke about this earlier in passing, as far as this isn't Dan Campbell's guy. This is a Matt Patricia guy. And we also haven't seen, we really haven't seen him in golf like Joe Goff's not really a guy that supports tight ends either. He's a deep wide receiver or, or running back type guy. He didn't really have those, you know, zone buster throws that he can do. So yeah, Hawkinson may have been expendable for this Lions team that's still looking for the pieces to rebuild. But I just don't know if right now we can say, oh, like if you're a Hawkinson owner, if you're crazy excited because he went to the Vikings, I think it might be a push. He might have had more opportunities for Detroit just playing from behind because the Vikings also get real comfortable with the lead. If they have, they don't even need a deep lead. But Kirk Cousins thinks an 11 point lead means we could just hand it off to Dalvin Cook all day and stop airing it out. So I don't know if it's a big upgrade for him going to the Vikings. It's, it's, it's still yet to be seen if it's a bad idea. It's a bad move on Detroit. But for a fantasy owner, fantasy purposes, I'd say it's a push. That's a really good point there, Bombo. You know, I will say this. To the point that you made, I think Kirk Cousins is an upgrade at the quarterback, him over Goff. So, you, you know, if you're a fantasy owner, you got to like that. But on the flip side to what you were just saying, yeah, you're absolutely right. If the Vikings get up, they're just going to be handing off the ball and what kind of opportunities is Hawk going to really get? So, I mean, that's that's something that you need to factor in. And that's a great point. I really like that. All right, T, I'm throwing a left hook at you, bro. I don't I'm going to stick up for my boy Jared Goff there, dude. I think that dude's a baller. I think he can play in this league. I think he just has to be in the right offensive system. He's in a dog shit team right now. But that dude went to the Super Bowl, guys. When the fuck has Kirk Cousins been to the Super Bowl? <laughs> this ain't a fucking upgrade. That's what I'm saying, dude. It's Detroit knew what they're giving him. They know they got that fucked up quarterback for another couple years. Fucking take him. Pay him. Do all the stupid shit we don't want to do. I'm just saying. I I don't know, man. 180 yards a couple weeks ago. Just saying. Yeah, and big donuts and everything yeah. too mixed in with that too. So come and it on. might be something I mean, too, guys. Where Detroit like, sold high. Yeah, maybe like it's one of those things, guys, where he can't play against press coverage or he can't play against off coverage. I don't know. I haven't really watched him. You know what I mean? But there's got to be something that's fucking him up. And teams are seeing it on tape. And they're trying to do it. And when they do it, he just disappears, man. So I don't know. But, yeah, I, I like what you say, Bombo. I'm taking the push. 
I'm taking the push. Yeah, I like the push too myself. I still don't understand why you would trade him within the division though. Just never give that kind of guy an opportunity. I think he has a, a better upside than Irv Smith. I think he has a higher ceiling and I just wouldn't want to give them that opportunity to beat me. Sorry, that's just me, but especially not to a divisional rival like that. All right, good shit, guys. So that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for our fantasy deadline impacts. So we'll see everyone on the next one. We are out. <laughs>